takes two moments to make a lasting impression. For example, let's say you go on a trip to Cedar Point with friends or family. And every hour on the hour, I send you a text message asking you to rate how you are feeling at that moment. On a scale of one to 10, one being a terrible experience and 10 being an amazing experience. So at 11 a.m., I send you a text. You say, just got off the Millennium Forest, 10. At 1 p.m., you just bought a $9 hot dog. So you're ready to three. At 5 p.m., you're waiting in a long line for a ride. So you're ready to three. At 9 p.m., you just ended your day by riding the Maverick roller coaster and you rated an eight. Let's say about a month later, I send you a text and ask you to kind of rate the overall experience you had at Cedar Point. And instead of just averaging all those individual moments up and writing back and saying you gave it a six, something peculiar happens. You text back saying that you give the overall experience a nine. Why is that? Psychologists have noticed the reason for this discrepancy, discrepancy, and they call it the peak end rule. And what this peak end rule means is that we tend to disproportionately remember the peak moment of an experience, which could be either that really high moment or a very low moment, and the end of the experience when recalling an entire experience. This means, for example, with the Cedar Point experience, we remember the Millennium Force 10 moment, and we remember that ending moment with the Maverick of an 8, and that's why we give it an overall score of a 9. Now, what does all this have to do with the Gospel reading just heard from Jonathan? I think this Gospel reading shows us the peak and rule at play. The Gospel writer Jonathan had 33 years worth of Jesus' life as content to write about in his gospel. Yet he dedicates five whole chapters, or 25% of his gospel, to one evening in Jesus' life. And this is the evening that we hear about in today's gospel reading. Holy Thursday, the Last Supper. Think of the peak moment here. Here we have John, who's the youngest guy at the table getting ready to break bread with the guy that he thinks the world of and worships. And what happens? Jesus bends down and serves John by washing his feet. I think John would have read that moment at 10. Now what about the end? We humans tend to value the last words or the words that somebody speaks at the end of their life very highly. The reality is that last words that people say at the end of their life usually are a pretty good indication of what's going on in their heart. Kind of last warning, last things they want us to remember, philosophies of life, etc. So here Jesus is on Holy Thursday, just hours before the end of his life, and he's going to, going to die the next day. And Jesus speaks of the things that mean a lot to him that he wants to leave behind and emphasize for his disciples. These words are words of love. 
This is the capstone of his legacy of love that he's been building with his disciples. He says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so also you should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus knows human psychology and human nature well. Jesus knows that this is his last evening before he dies. And Jesus wants John to remember and emphasize this legacy of love for those that are here after him. Jesus was a master of the moment then, and he still is today. So we've seen how this peak end rule applies to the gospel of Jesus Christ according to John. But how does this peak end rule impact the gospel of you according to Jesus Christ? When it comes to the good news of each of our own lives, what will Jesus focus on and emphasize? What will the gospel of you according to Jesus Christ be? When Jesus looks at each of our own lives here on earth, what moments of our lives will have special meaning to him? How will he go about telling the particular, his particular way of telling the story of our lives? And what significance will he find in us sharing in his cross and resurrection? Jesus said that the way we love others will make clear that we are his real disciples. But when we love each other, of course, we're not just loving, loving each other. We're actually loving Jesus. In Matthew 25, verse 35, Jesus begins to tell us that when we feed the hungry, when we give drink to the thirsty, when we clothe the naked, when we visit the stranger, when we visit them in prison, when we care for the ill, we are actually doing so for him. I believe these moments in our lives when we are loving him and loving others are going to be the peak moments of our lives for Jesus. In these moments, we, who Jesus thinks the world of, are bound down to serve him in the same way that he has served us. But what about those extremely low moments of our lives? How will Jesus remember those extremely low moments of our lives? Well, Pope Francis gives us something that's very good news. He says the good news is that we don't need to spend a bunch of time worrying about how Jesus will remember those very low moments of our lives, those low moments that take up so much time and space and real estate in our minds, that we tend to ruminate over and over again in our minds, that we're oftentimes tempted to define ourselves by. No. Pope Francis says that as soon as we confess those low moments of our lives and are absolved of them, God forgets all of us. Jesus wants our gospel to be like his gospel, free from any sight of sin. Jesus wants our gospel to be like his gospel, where we are building a legacy of love one moment at a time. One way we can determine the type of legacy that we're building is by taking an honest look at ourselves in any moment. And thinking to ourselves, are we acting more like Jesus in that moment or more like Judas? Are we focused more on being a giver 
or being a taker. And we saw both of these roles played out really well in this gospel reading on Holy Thursday, right? The Holy Thursday in John's account of it. We see Jesus give a foot washing. We see Judas give taking a foot washing. We see Jesus giving food. We see Judas taking food and taking off to betray Jesus. We see Jesus planning and preparing to give his life out of love for us. And we see Judas taking off to betray Jesus. So in these moments, are we acting more like Jesus or like Judas? Something really odd happened. I don't know if you caught this in today's gospel reading. But when Judas took off to go betray Jesus, he said something really odd. He said this. This is how the gospel started off. When Judas had left them, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. That's bizarre. Most theologians say that what John meant by this, and the way that we're interpreting this, is that the decisive act has been done. That when Judas left to go betray Jesus, the decisive act and put everything into motion for Jesus' mock trial, betrayal, beating, crucifixion, resurrection, and eventual coronation, glorious coronation, heaven. But I think there's something more to this. Now that Judas has left, Jesus is surrounded by people who ultimately were givers. People who ultimately were prepared to give their life for Jesus. These are people who would go on to glorify their lives for Jesus, glorify Jesus with their lives, whether it be laying down their lives because of their faith or whether it be writing down their account of Jesus and his good news so others may come to believe. When we disciples today, like those disciples at the Last Supper, receive Jesus in the Eucharist, we receive the master of the moment, the one who John tells us is love within us. So all we have to do is share with others the love that we have received. To love, of course, means to give. But more than just material things, but to give one's own time, one's friendship, and one's abilities. Jesus is interested in doing something still here today and in inviting each of us to play a part in it. Jesus knows that we too are moment makers, especially the lives of those that we have relationships with. In the ordinary moments of the day, we have the opportunity to help make heaven and earth come a little bit closer. When someone walks away from an interaction with us, do they walk away with something they didn't have before that interaction with us? Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's a little more joy. Maybe it's a greater sense of peace. Or maybe it's a little bit more strength to endure the sufferings in their life. Brothers and sisters, Jesus wants us to give others a lifelong gift, a gift of love that transcends this world. This is how we build a legacy of love, one moment at a time. And about those two moments in your life that will make a lasting legacy, who knows? Maybe you will make one of those moments today.